0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day as we wrap up a very busy week. And again, Merry Christmas to all of you. Lots to talk about today. Lots of reaction to the decision by the administration on how how they're going to handle the renewable fuel standard. And the biofuels industry not happy at all. We're going to hear from the Iowa Corn Growers and the Renewable Fuels Association on our program today. And we're going to take a look at the ag economy as we wrap up 2019 and look ahead to 2020. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation, will be joining us as well. But we're going to start things off talking about trade. Kent Backus... Director of International Trade and Market Access for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association joins us, Kent. Thanks for being with us. And the House has voted and passed USMCA, getting us one step closer to this deal. I know that was uh, one of the items right at the top of your to-do list at N.C.B.A.
1: Yeah, Mike, and uh, Merry Christmas to everyone out there. This is uh, this is very exciting news. Uh, passage of the USMCA has been a big uh, priority. For the National Cattlemen's Beef Association and all of our state affiliates for quite some time. So to see the the overwhelming support in the House of Representatives yesterday, it just uh, it sent a clear message that uh, this is an agreement that that we should all be behind. And and really, it shows that uh, that Congress listened to uh, you know to NCBA and to all of the other groups that supported this. Uh, the administration uh, from the beginning. Uh, you know they they gave us uh, their word that they would do no harm when it comes to NAFTA and that's exactly what happened we saw NAFTA brought into the 21st century without jeopardizing all of those provisions that have benefited the U.S. beef industry for over 20 years so yesterday was a was a great step forward and now we just uh, have to move this through the senate hopefully we can get that done by the end of January.
0: So USMCA from a beef perspective not you don't get a lot of new gains but it keeps what you had it gives market certainty is that is that how we can uh, accurately describe it
1: well that's exactly it mike and i mean when you look at what nafta offered us it gave us duty-free unrestricted access to both canada and mexico so for over 20 years we've invested heavily in developing uh, consumers in both of those markets canada has always been a, a very strong market there, but we've we've developed that at about as much as we can. The important thing was that we keep that competitive advantage over all of the other countries that now have access to the Canadian market, competitors from Australia, from New Zealand. And likewise in Mexico, Mexico's where we've seen the most growth. and Mexico is our third biggest export market. So uh, you know this was really about uh, just keeping that access going, keeping a, a competitive advantage in those markets. But there were also some sanitary and phytosanitary provisions that uh, that were helpful. But most of the most of the bugs had been worked out in trade between uh, U.S. beef and other country and those those two countries before uh, this process started. So really, the the victory for us was not jeopardizing what was already there, and also uh, just clearing the decks with this so that we can move on to other big agreements. And uh, to the administration's credit, they've been able to to really just move a lot of things in a short amount of time, uh, USMCA being one of those. So we see this as a very positive development and obviously uh, something that it will continue to support as we move this through the Senate.
0: Do you have the votes in the Senate to get it passed?
1: I think the votes are, are definitely there. I think there will be a few people who uh, will look object to it some of them have never supported trade agreements and then others uh will will probably you know have some other uh you know local reason or something to oppose it but by and large i think this is going to move the biggest hindrance in the senate is going to be the, the question around impeachment and how that you know could potentially create a log jam uh, for uh for usmca i think that uh you know there's there's a lot of uh there's there's a lot of support for USMCA in the Senate. Uh, there's not a lot of open opposition to it. I think there are a handful of folks who who have, you know, in both the in both parties, but you know, by large I think this thing is going to move. The question will be when it will move. And a lot of that'll will happen will depend on what happens with the impeachment process.
0: I thought it was interesting some of those in the House that voted for USMCA were members of uh, Congress that have uh, raised questions or doubts about it in the past, but they they got on board with it.
1: Yeah, I think the the question that was always on enforcement of the labor provisions. You know that was really the that was really the big thing that that came out of this. And uh, you know, Ambassador Lighthizer worked very closely with the Democrats to uh, to help uh, build those assurances with them. And I think it'll be interesting to see how this uh, how this really. Carries forward, but by and large, uh, you know, it's it's this was this was a major victory for the administration. It's not often, it's it's extremely rare that the AFL-CIO endorses any trade bills, uh, much less uh, one in a Republican administration. So this was this was a big message uh, to a lot of folks that you know trade agreements are, are not just uh, Republican in nature. That you know you can have bipartisan support. And when you look back at, like, the Korea agreement and, and uh, previous agreements like that, most of that was along partisan lines. Uh, even in a Democrat-led administration, it was usually Republicans that carried the day on trade bills. But we've seen, you know, broad bipartisan support for USMCA, and I think this is something to build on. Uh, you know, trade is usually criticized, uh, and it's one of the most misunderstood issues that's out there. But at the end of the day, this is about building uh, a strong framework for the U.S. economy, giving us access to the 96% of the consumers that live outside of our borders, and making sure that those rules of trade are enforceable. And I think that's what USMCA has accomplished.
0: As I've been saying, uh, when you look at things from a trade perspective, 2019 was a very challenging year, but it is certainly ending up better than it started out.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I have to pinch myself sometimes because there are so many major victories on the trade front that we're going to enjoy going into 2020. Uh, you know, USMCA being one of those, we we need to, to really push that over the line in January. But when you look at January 1st, Mike, and the fact that the Japan deal will kick in and that our tariff rate in Japan is going to drop from 38.5% to 266 And then again, on April 1st, it's going to drop even more. That means that we're going to have more competitive access in our number one export market. And also on January 1st, that's when the U.S.-specific beef quota in Europe kicks in. And that's a duty-free quarter for beef from non hormone treated Cattle. And that was, uh, again, those are two great opportunities for our producers. So we see those three things, and then potentially, you know, the China deal uh, being rolled out, Uh, Sometime in January, 2020 has a lot of very, very positive potential for the U.S. beef industry. This is something that that we are going to celebrate. We're going to continue to support.
0: Very good. That's Kent Backus with NCBA. Thanks, Kent. Merry Christmas.
1: Thank you. Merry Christmas.
0: All right. Take care. Coming up next, the Iowa corn growers not happy with the administration's decision on the RFS. We'll talk about it next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we've talked a lot about California's Proposition 12 that not only sets production standards for those in the state of California, but also says anyone wanting to sell into that California market has to meet the same production standards well the national pork producers council and american farm bureau federation are challenging proposition twelve here to talk about it is michael formica michael tell us about this legal challenge
1: so uh, as you as you have indicated uh, american farm bureau and national pork producers council filed a lawsuit in federal court in southern california challenging prop twelve and the impact that prop twelve will have on pork producers outside of California, and the state through this Proposition 12 is trying to impose its will on on farmers in Minnesota, in Montana, in Iowa, in
0: Ohio. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture.
2: Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number 2 diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
3: When you think of home, you think of warmth, comfort and peace of mind. And that's exactly what you get when you choose propane from FS. With Propane from FS, you get our well-trained professional staff, along with an array of products and services designed to ensure that your propane system is functioning properly and efficiently. Add to this a variety of convenient terms and ways to save money, and you've got the right solution to all your home energy needs. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane. Feels like home. Visit fspropane.com.
4: Sometimes life is wonderful. And sometimes it's not. Cherish the good
0: You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world.
1: Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture.
3: Now, back to Mike Adams.
0: Well, here at the end of 2019, there have been some real positive developments for agriculture. House passing USMCA, a spending bill that includes a biodiesel tax credit and some positive developments uh, towards uh, trade with China. But one area that uh, has not come up uh, so positive, that is uh, the administration's decision to not make changes in how they determine small finery re- uh, exemptions, small refinery exemptions, and uh, how that undermines the RFS and also uh, their RVO levels for 2020, uh, really not accounting for lost gallons or future lost gallons from those exemptions. So this is a real concern for the uh, ethanol industry in particular. And we're talking now with Kelly Neuenheis. He's chair of the Iowa Corn Growers Industrial Usage and U.S. Production Committee and also the president of Siouxland Energy Cooperative in Sioux Center, Iowa. Kelly, thank you for joining us.
5: Hey, thanks,
0: Mike. Um, We thought there was going to be a a new agreement, a new deal announced, uh, but now it looks like not only is the agreement that you thought you had with the administration not going to happen, really the pledge to uh, fully support and uh, keep the RFS intact really – that uh, that pledge has gone aside, too, with this uh, decision by the administration.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, this past week I was involved in a meeting in uh, Washington, D.C. at the White House with uh, Mr. C- uh, Director Kudlow. And, uh, you know, when uh, our corn growers walked in the office and the uh, first thing you started doing was reading the press release for Thursday morning, And we knew right away that that was going to be the EPA's supplemental rule. Um, We started responding instantly and said, you know, uh, that's not the deal that um, we were given from President Trump and himself on September 12th and October 4th. And uh, we are not going to respond friendly if that's the way um, the ruling is going to come out.
0: What do you think happened?
5: Well, I think after the the deal that uh, President Trump and Mr. Kudlow had made with our state legislators, you know, Senators Ernst and Grassley and Governor Reynolds on September 12th and October 4th got out, um, I think somebody, um, well, the oil industry probably reacted and uh, changed their position. So, uh, you know, that frustrating part was I talked with Senator Ernst, 13th of September I believe it was the day after their meeting and she reassured me she said when she was walking out of the the meeting uh, Mr. Kudlow um, told her he said Senator Ernst you're going to get this deal the three-year rolling average of actual gallons waived added back on top of the RVO numbers and uh and that was the deal we thought we had and uh uh, about 11 days later, the EPA comes out with their supplemental rule, and all of a sudden, for the first time in three years, they're going to start abiding by the DOE's recommendation. And uh, we knew right away this was going to be a, we're going to have to respond quickly and hard. And I, I got to compliment the Iowa corn growers because we never let off um, until the last minute. We had ended up having a 50-minute meeting with Mr. Cudlow, And actually, he had made, made the comment that he would go back and look at it. But, uh, you know, obviously that didn't happen, and uh, they didn't change their
0: position. We're talking with Kelly Neuenhuis uh, with the Iowa Corn Growers and also president of Siouxland Energy Cooperative in Sioux Center, Iowa. Kelly, basically they're asking you, your, the ethanol industry, the biofuels industry, to trust EPA. Well, that's pretty hard to do, given their track record on this <laughs> issue.
5: Yeah, you know, Mr. Kudlow asked us when he started reading that uh, press release and we started responding he goes why aren't you people happy with this this is a good deal and i made the comment to him i said you know with the history of the epa over the last three years it's really hard for us as farmers and the ethanol producers to put the word trust and epa in the same sentence i said the uh deal we were Told we were going to get from the president was the deal we were happy with it's simple it's numbers um they couldn't mess with it but this ruling um you know it, it kind of puts the cap on corn based ethanol at 15 billion gallons not a floor and you know we could get 15 billion gallons but we might not so we're going to have to be constantly watching over the epa and pressuring them to make sure they get it at 15 billion gallons and the uh, what the law of the RFS is supposed to be about. It's part of the Clean Air Act. It's, what, it's better for the environment, yet we have the Environmental Protection Agency restricting us.
0: And really, there's no indication that EPA is going to change their policy on these exemptions, right?
5: No, that's that's absolutely right. And and this new ruling really is not going to come into effect until 2021. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, that's not the certainty um farmers need. That's not the certainty the ethanol industry needs and you know it's definitely not uh, um going to change the market, and uh we need this market. You know, the the market took a crash after the last thirty one SRE's were granted. Eighteen to twenty cent drop in the market of ethanol is a big move. And uh you know since the announcement came out, um I think it's been up a penny. Um so, you know, it's it's not it's not responding um the way It should have if it was a positive news that we were, you know, hoping for that uh, the deal on September 12th and October 4th. So obviously the market sees the same reaction we do as farmers and biofuel producers.
0: I think as we look through the political lens, the thought was the president will want to address these concerns because he doesn't want to alienate his uh, rural base uh, going into the presidential election. It's almost like they're saying now we think with USMCA passing and we we think we're on track to have something good with China, uh, you know, that that'll offset any negative feelings that'll come out of this decision. Do you think they, they're looking at it that way?
5: Oh, I think they did, but I think they're wrong. Um, you know, the big, you know, we appreciate, you know, the Japan trade agreement, uh, but Japan's, you know, they're a very solid market, but they were already a solid market. Um, um, the USMCA, that should have been passed a year ago, um, you know, and that's the USMCA is good for American consumers and American producers. It's not a win for the R or the Ds, it's a win for America, um, consumers, and farmers. Um, you know, hope the China deal. We've heard a lot of promises uh, about this last phase one announcement sounds good but we really haven't seen anything of it yet or, uh, you know, how quickly it's going to change things. Um, you know, I've known for a fact in my farming career the the best growth potential we have for demand for corn produce and even soybeans on the biodiesel side is uh, biofuels. So, you know, that's our greatest growth potential, and uh, when they keep reducing us and holding us back on that, um, that's going to do uh, more harm um, And then they add all the SREs on top of that and do demand destruction of 4 billion gallons over the last three years. Uh, There's no way there's going to be a positive aspect towards President Trump's next election with this uh, RFS announcement or EPA announcement.
0: In other words, you don't want to hear anybody from the administration, again, publicly talking about how they support biofuels.
5: Oh, no. You know, that's... It's pretty obvious, that, you know, talk is cheap, um, actions are um, speak louder, and um, so far, you know, we did get E15 year-round, which was a, a plus, but that's long-term growth, you know, that's a gradual growth, and I do believe there will be growth that's connected to that, but then you do the opposite thing with the SREs and grant 85 of them over three years, where the past administration, I think, granted 10 over eight years. Um, so, you know, they're abusing the system at the EPA and the... Uh, and uh, it, it it definitely did damage to the um, biofuels industry, and and they're not going to reinstate that, those gallons. They we're we're just being told that those are gone. You know, you lost them. So for some reason, they feel we're supposed to be um, satisfied and and okay with that, well, or not. So we're going to continue to fight and uh, move forward, and hopefully make some progress here going forward.
0: Well, that's the history of the ethanol industry, and those in it uh, have fought one challenge right after another, and, uh, and this is the latest one. Uh, Kelly, thank you for being with us and uh, giving us some insight into this, and uh, even with this news, we'll hope for a better 2020 for the, for the ethanol and biodiesel industries. Thank you very much.
5: Hey, thanks, Mike. We're all looking
0: forward to 2020. All right. Take care. Thank you. Right. Yep. Kelly, Kelly Neuenheis, uh, Chair for Iowa Corn Growers Industrial Usage and U.S. Production Committee, and also the president of Siouxland Energy Cooperative in Sioux Center, Iowa. Certainly, uh, here at the end of 2019, not the news that the biofuels industry was hoping for from the administration. All right, stay with us. Much more to come here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up.
2: Time is money, right? And money? Well, it's the whole reason we go to work every day. Cenex Premium Diesel protects both. With a more complete additive package for a more complete burn, Cenex Roadmaster XL helps your entire fuel system stay up and running, so you can count more profits and steer clear of losses. Now don't spend all that free time in one place, unless it's the highway. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around.
4: Meet Ed, movie buff, animal lover, safe driver.
3: Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's It's our roads. It's our our safety. safety.
4: Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov.
3: Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Corn, wheat, and soybean prices mixed in early trade as traders Set up their books ahead of the end of the year. Volume likely to tail off over the next couple of weeks will be closed on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. March corn edged to a modestly weaker close on Thursday in quiet trade. January soybeans edged lower on Thursday. On this Friday, an hour into the session, we are edging a bit higher. March corn up two at 388 and a half. May up a penny and three quarters at 394 and three quarters. Soybeans January up 4 at nine twenty-eight and a half. and a half, March at nine thirty-nine and a half, and a half up 3 and a quarter. An easier tone in Chicago wheat, March down 2 at 543 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat March down 2 and 3 quarters at five thirty-eight and a half. and a half. Kansas City wheat March penny and a half higher at 462. For livestock at the Merck, cattle traders looking ahead to Friday afternoon's cattle on feed report. Average trade guess on feed as of December first, up 1.9 percent from a year ago. Marketings down 2.7 percent according to the average trade guess. Cash cattle trade started to develop on Thursday. Dress deals mostly 192 in the north, up two dollars from a week ago. Live prices generally seen at 120, up a $1 dollar from a week. Ago. Narrow Mix and Live Cattle Futures, December, near unchanged, up 12 cents, 122.25. Feeder cattle, January down 32 at 144.40. Lean Hog Futures, February down 35 at 70 62. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 75. Crude Oil, February down 59 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halberson from the American Ag Network.
2: and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and